I am an artist living in beautiful Vermont, USA, and I have a lot of questions. So I engage the minds of the people that I meet, poets, writers, artists. I explore what's inside and share it with you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and I am eager to know. I'm here with Putnam Smith, who is a singer, songwriter, and homesteader located right here in southeastern Vermont. Putnam, thank you so much for being on Eager to Know. Thank you, Rick. It's great to be here. Now, Sunday night, <laughs> I was at your house. I got invited <laughs> to a event, I guess it was. Um, you had a friend of yours who was a musician who was mm. performing, and it was a very intimate mm. uh, situation. There was probably like 20 people in your incredible yeah. home. Um, you all were, he was performing music, you were performing music. Um, a lot of it was uh, music that you all had written, yeah. and it was an incredible experience. And I guess that's something that you used to do quite regularly. Yeah, yeah. The um, house concerts is in the kind of folk music world, um, is how we usually refer to it. And um, it's become quite a phenomenon, I would say, in the folk music world. And um, I've even heard of it being done in the classical music world a little bit as well. Um, but for anyone out there who has not experienced a house concert, um, well, I don't know, do you want to give your impressions first or do you want me to speak to... I want you to give your give your um, idea, what you want to say about it, and then I, I definitely had an impression that <laughs> awesome. I would like to share, but I want to hear yours. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, as a traveling musician, I definitely played in you know, public venues, kind of more traditional spaces. Um, and and those those are wonderful things to do um, as a traveling musician, but I really my bread and butter on on touring and I toured all over the country was um, really these house concerts, which um, often they would come about from either a fan or a friend or even a family member who wanted to open up their their home to uh, invite their friends and family um, to to a concert, usually in a living room. There's no PA system. Um, usually there's like a, either some snacks or even a potluck, which is what we had. Um, so it's a real social event and, um, the, uh, all the, there's usually a suggested donation of, yep. um, you know, anywhere between 10, 20 bucks. It, it really varies. Um, and all of that goes to the artists, which is unlike a public venue where they'd often take like 50% of the, the door, you know. How many people would usually be at one of these house concerts? Uh, well, um, they range from, I mean, I'd say the average is probably about 30 people. Um, I have played house concerts with as many as like 50, 50 plus, which has to be a pretty big living room <laughs> yeah. or space. Um, but I've even played them, like I, I played ones in the, like, um, Number one in Denver, Colorado, in someone's apartment, and there were like 15 people. And, you know, at a public venue, if you had 15 people at a show, it would feel really lousy, you know, just yeah, experientially. Right. Whereas if you're in someone's living room and there's no PA system, it has a totally different vibe. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the things I love about playing house concerts and now hosting them is that um, it's really a, a human experience. You know, you, you kind of strip away the technological barriers of, like, a PA system and, you know, the, the electric lights, which... Online tickets. Online tickets. Uh, marketing, promotion, all, all of that stuff. Well, as an attendee, I would just say 
I was very close. I was like up front, mm. so I was very close to when you were performing. You and your wife were performing, mm -hmm. and uh, when Connor was performing, and it, I, the sense that I was feeling, it, I felt like I was experiencing something so real. Mm. Like so yeah. much of our world is is not phony, but it's fabricated yeah. and it's secondhand or you're seeing a copy. But I was experiencing Connor hearing his his voice, hearing yeah. his guitar directly. It wasn't recorded. Right. And also it was songs that he had written and created. Yeah. So it was this very I was almost moved to tears just mm. being that close to someone creating something new in the universe and I'm actually experiencing it so close. Yeah. It was, I did not expect that. Yeah, and I think it lends itself to, you know, sharing the story behind, you know, the song that, that someone wrote, you know, or um, little anecdotes or, and there's often engagement with the audience that you wouldn't get in the same way, I think, in, a, in most public venues. Um, Let's talk about how you got into music. I know that you started writing songs at seven, um, you started on, I assume you started first on piano. Yeah. Can you just briefly tell me about how that all started? Did you grow up in a musical home? Um, yeah, to some extent I, I did. Um, my, my mom plays a little guitar and piano. Um, my dad's a singer and definitely a, a love of music in the household for sure. Um, and so I, I definitely grew up around it and I was just drawn to music from from really the beginning. I, I started kind of messing around on piano and writing little songs, um, music and lyrics, and then picked up guitar age 12 and then banjo and mandolin in, in college. Um, and so that was... What did you study in college? I studied philosophy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so you make a great uh, lyricist, songwriter. Song <laughs> well, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know if that directly, trend, you know, uh, corresponds, but um, I definitely, you know, I've always been one who thinks about things and I'm curious about things, and so that, that definitely relates, I would say. Let's talk about banjo. Um, yeah. I know, can you watch your arm there? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, I know that you were playing that the other night, and I'm not that familiar with banjo. Obviously, I'm familiar with how it sounds. Yeah. What is it about... How is it different from a, a guitar? I know it obviously looks different. There's a four-string banjo. There's a, a six-string. Or oh, five-string, mostly, yeah. Oh, okay. Four and, yeah. Uh, is it just a completely different uh, acoustical model of how it generates sound? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, they're kind of different. Uh, they're associated mostly with different genres of music. Okay. I mean, banjo originally came from Africa. Okay. Um, and, you know, then kind of uh, went through a lot of changes when it came to the States. Um, and the four string banjo is often associated with like Dixie Band jazz, mm -hmm. um, New Orleans style stuff. And um, uh, five string banjo usually either goes into bluegrass or old time. Um, and so and yeah, you, had a, you had a five string? Yeah, I'm a five string player. And, and there's no hole like in a, uh, a you know, in a guitar. Yeah, it's just a, a skin, um, either synthetic or um, actual calf skin that's stretched over. Um, the, the rim, so it's it's really like a drum, technically, mm. you know, with strings on it, and it gives a very different sound, yeah. Interesting, and a mandolin is like a mini guitar? Mini yeah, although tuned like a fiddle, yeah, or a violin. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, so. And I think as a songwriter, I was drawn to different instruments, largely because, like, it just, 
um, you know, you get into certain habits as an right. artist. As you might, you know, as, a, as an artist, you know, sure. you you get into habits. And um, the best way for me to kind of get outside of those or break those habits was just to switch instruments. So, like, you know, I'd develop a certain style on piano, and then I'd get into habits, and I'd get bored with it. And so then I took up guitar, and I started writing totally different kinds of songs, and then picked up banjo, and yet that was another kind of realm. So. Now, you have you all you said that you started writing songs at seven. Yeah. So the song creation, the music creation, that was early on. Mm. So it wasn't just like taking piano lessons and learning Bach and Beethoven. Right, you right. were creating was it yeah. associated with melody and lyrics T tell me about where that came from is that like yeah. kids writing stories uh i think not not as much for me i think i developed more of a storytelling style later in my life but um as a kid i don't know i wrote about what it was often emotional processing for me you know or whatever i was thinking about or feeling um great way to kind of uh you know process what you're experiencing in life right um and yeah in, in terms of music and lyrics i you know often people ask like well which comes first the music or lyrics and usually i would say the music comes first although in reality it's almost a simultaneous process for me like um usually i'll stumble upon something that that sounds cool or, or intrigues me musically and then um the things that i have been thinking about in the back of my mind or experiencing or feeling um, you know, like usually like a, a line or just first two lines of a song will pop out of almost mm. seemingly nowhere. And then it's just a process of kind of following that thread. Like, where does it go? Where does this mm. song go from there? Is it a, a fluid, this feels great process or is it like work? <laughs> um, it depends on the song probably, but mostly, mostly it feels, uh, like a cathartic, you know, process where, um, yeah, in the process of writing it, uh, you know, I work through something myself or, or craft, you know, sometimes it takes more of the shape of like crafting something that when I'm done with it, I'm like, oh yeah, I need to tweak that a little bit more here and there and, you know, tink, tink, tonk, tonk a little bit. And then, then you come up with something that like, okay, I think that's ready to share with people. Yeah. Now, are you writing about how you're feeling or are you writing about how you see um the w things about the world mm. or, or all sorts of things all, i'd say all the, above. all the above um although you know i definitely uh think that i'm in my best zone almost when i am connecting what my experiences are with other people's experiences like um you know often i've uh kind of told the stories of people i've met um or anecdotes from people's lives. Um, of course, that gets interesting when you're playing a show and they show up to the gig. Yeah. And they recognize in the middle of the song, like, wait a minute, this is about me. But you almost actually, that has always worked out for the best for me. It's, maybe it's because I'm not writing, like trashing somebody's right. you know, life or something. Usually celebrating, you know. It's, you're not but. writing You're So Vain by Carlos. <laughs> no. No, although I, there's a song from my, my first album back in 2007 that was um, this guy I was working I was working carpentry at the time and um, working with this guy who just had a really fascinating life and you know struggled with alcohol and was an ex-marine and had all these amazing stories and um, that was one where I wasn't sure how he was going to respond when mm. we heard the song because it was you know it was not entirely rosy um, mm -hmm. and yet 
he responded so positively. He showed up after the gig after, you know, and he's like, uh, I've sold two of your CDs and I'm going to need more. <laughs> uh, I think he was just really honored that someone right. tried to tell his story. Right. Know? Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now, another thing that you're involved in is homesteading. Can mm. you tell me and listeners a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, and, that I, is. and I'd probably, cons- that can mean a lot of things. I okay. would also often maybe say that I'm, I'm an aspiring homesteader. Okay. But, um, you know, I think traditionally that's often meant like, 100% living off the land and growing your own food and getting your own fuel. fuel and um, and I'm definitely aspiring towards that. Okay. Because, um, um, yeah, Helen and Scott Nearing, who started out here in Vermont and then moved to Maine, were big inspirations for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I was touring, um, and I've stopped touring now only because I had two small kids, <laughs> but back when I was uh, touring, um, I kind of developed a life pattern of um, kind of homesteading in the summer and growing a lot of, having big gardens, canning a lot of my own food, freezing, dehydrating, that kind of thing. And then um, once I kind of planted my garlic for the following year, sometime in October, that's when my my touring season really began in earnest. Um, I'd still play some local shows during the summer, but, um, and uh, that they, they tended to kind of balance each other out because the um, one of the goals of homesteading is to be closer to the land, but it's also just to, you know, cut down your own expenses and, and consuming know, stuff, consuming less, you know, having to buy fewer things and all of that. So, um, and as you know, as you know, it's, it's really hard to make a living as an artist, you know, any kind of artist, but, um, folk singers, you know, the joke is like, yeah, there's, there's tens of dollars to be made in folk music, <laughs> you know, and, uh, sadly that's very often the case, but, um, but when I was with the homesteading piece, it kind of took some of the pressure off the touring. So like, I, I felt like I could get by on a lot less money than someone who was living in a you know fancy house with you know um, and buying all their food and you know paying oil prices and and whatnot for um, fuel. So yeah. an interest in homesteading and playing the mandolin <laughs> and the. The banjo. So you must have grown up in rural Tennessee or something. Is that correct? No, I grew up in suburb, uh, a suburb outside of Boston. And yeah. obviously I'm joking because I, I know exactly where you grew up because yeah. you grew up in the town where my best friend lives. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in your that. hometown, which is a the first suburb right outside of Boston. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's none of those things. So no. how did no. someone who grew up there yeah. end up with all of those things that activate you and interest you. Do you know why? Yeah, well, I mean, my dad was was definitely an influence. I mean, um, you know, we, we were not in like a cookie cutter suburban house. We were in kind of an older house on an acre of land, um, yeah, which was maybe kind of unusual in, in the town of Milton. But um, my dad was definitely kind of a misfit in the neighborhood for, you know, having organic gardens and composting way back before that was a thing. and and you know, cutting and splitting his own wood um, to heat the house with the wood stove. Um, so he, I was kind of embarrassed by him as a kid because I was like, Dad, you're so old-fashioned. And however... <laughs> but of course, the apple does not fall far from the tree. So um, I discovered a love of those things myself in my, my 20s, really, and been kind of um, you know, trying to incorporate that into my life right now, for sure. 
How would you say that this interest and passion for homesteading relates to your passion for writing, being a songwriter and a musician? Mm, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I think that, you know, Thoreau said he wanted a, um, to have wide margins to his life. Um, and, you know, I, th I love that metaphor of just like that little space and edges on the edge of your, your page of your life, right? To um, maybe scrawl your own notes, that kind of thing. And for me, um, being in kind of having the homesteading piece of my life where I'm out working in the garden, weeding, um, you know, splitting wood, um, stacking wood, those kinds of things, um, they kind of let my my mind relax a little bit and and a lot of the things I've been thinking about or experiencing kind of get to percolate back in the you know the deep recesses of my brain mm. so I I think that there's a um, it's I don't I don't know exactly how it works but what I know is that it um, they kind of tend to feed each other you know that my I'll often have like a little song in the back of my mind that um, I've never been one. There are songwriters who like put on a suit and tie and like go to the office and start working. There are songwriters like that. I'm not one. I, I usually have thing like different ideas in the back of my mind, and um, I just need that those wide margins to my life to kind of think about it and and let let um, lyrical ideas come kind of emerge. Um, and then the other thing about um, the kind of homesteading model where you um, I'm kind of my own boss, you know, with chunks of time to work out in the garden or whatever is uh, there have been literally times when I've been I, I will put down my shovel and go go inside and pick up the guitar and um, you know start writing a song because sometimes the ideas just come and, and having the freedom to put down what I'm doing and go go uh, work on a song is invaluable for me yeah. that, make, that makes a lot of sense so that yeah. this that's a great answer and it reminds me of a couple things First of all, um, I do, well, I haven't been as good about it lately, but meditation, oh, specifically sure. transcendental meditation, yeah. which is really about just kind of detaching from everything. Yeah. And, um, and that is very valuable from, from many ways. And similar to what you're describing, chopping wood, that's sort of almost like a meditation. Yeah, or weeding. Weeding, yeah, where <laughs> yeah. you're not, you're not consuming somebody else's creativity creative right, output right. which so much of what we do i feel is other people's whether it's you know facebook instagram even reading a novel yeah. watching tv watching a movie it's other people's creativity which isn't sometimes that's inspiring but oftentimes it's not at least for me it's not always the best way for to inspire me you know, Rick, that makes me even realize also when you say the word inspire, like I would say that even just being out in nature and there a lot of my songs are on themes of either homesteading or being close to the land. You know, one of my albums is called We Could Be Beekeepers. And I think that um, that um, kind of being in touch with that kind of work and that kind of way of living um, inspires uh something for me musically uh, so you know even just the fact that yeah a lot of my songs I, are about my experiences as a homesteader i would say nice know, aspiring homesteader. the other thing this brought to mind was the idea of space mm. um i used to be not a creative person i had like mm. a regular mm -hmm. corporate job 
and I was a developer and a project manager. Mm -hmm. So it's all about like plans and rigor and making Mm -hmm. sure every hour, every minute is being used for something efficient. And what I realize, and now that I'm a creative individual, is that does not serve me. I actually have to have space where I am, it is open and I am not doing things because that's how I sort of get uh, recharge that's not really the word and not mm. even inspired but it's yeah. sort of like it starts to get refilled if i am back to back to back doing things all the time i'm not going to get the best results creatively so when you talk about weeding mm. and chopping wood i can i can see how that would happen the other thing that i'm really starting to realize is that um i feel like our brains are more art than science mm. and i think that um, just being, I, I drive down um, Putney, Ro- Putney Valley Road, I think, it, Pleasant Valley Road uh-huh, uh-huh. in uh, near my house, and I see all of these cows uh-huh. that <laughs> are on the side of the road in, in yeah. someone's farm, and they're just chilling out and just looking and just <laughs> being and just being cows. And I kind of think of there's part of us that needs that. Putnam, thank you so much for, well, first of all, having me to your home this week uh, to see you perform and um, to see Connor perform, but also for coming here to be a guest on Eager to Know. This was fantastic. Thank you so much, Rick. It's been, been a pleasure talking with you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.